you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. And Pori Corkin, good morning to you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. How are you? Not too bad. Welcome into the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good stuff. Uh, not a bad morning out there. It's great. Of, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit dull, but it's, it's, it's fine. But the most important thing is the temperatures are beginning to rise, getting a bit milder. Yeah, about time. About time, exactly. And we're promised very good weather all of next week. So picking up from Sunday right through to the following Sunday. So the long long range forecast is very good. Most importantly, the warm temperatures are coming and that's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, very, <laughs> pa- very patiently, I have very to say, patiently. and anxiously, I'm sure, in some yeah. instances as well. But what that's going to mean is is tremendous growth. I mean, we're going to really see a burst of growth because there's a huge amount of moisture in the soil. Once those temperatures start to rise, the plants are just bursting to come into, into growth and into leaf and into flower. So particularly for listeners, I would advise this weekend to start tidying up the garden now, really getting the lawn mowed because the growth is going to be extremely okay. strong next week. So get get out there this weekend, get the lawn mowed, get it fed. Um, in terms of trees and shrubs, I'd also advise giving them some fertiliser now because growth has been very, very slow right mm. through April and the first part of May. And so your hedges and your trees and your shrubs and your roses will all start to burst into growth now once this warm weather comes. So just to help that on, feed them now with a tree and shrub feed or your roses should get a, a dressing a top rose or, or um, any of the, re- the really good rose fertiliser should be applied now. There's enough moisture in the soil to carry the fertiliser down and as we get into that warm weather you're going to see significant growth. You know, hedges, trees, shrubs in general, uh, roses, uh, herbaceous plants like lupins and hollyhocks and uh, poppies will all burst into growth. So, yeah, the week will be, will transform this time next week when we're chatting with it'll be a transformation okay, I'll be complaining about the length of the grass in, exactly. the, in the garden yeah and it'll all <laughs> seem to come together so things like weed control will be important as well you know yeah. get out there with the hoe uh, particularly in dry weather when you get a good dry day it's a great time to get the hoe out in the vegetable patch or in the shrub border as the weeds are small now get out there hoe them off, the weather will dry them up very quickly. But if you leave them, there's going to be significant growth that could double in size between now and next weekend with the sort of heat that, that we're talking about. And particularly as we go to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're, we're into very warm, high temperatures. Okay. So there's going to be acceler- accelerated growth uh, around that time. Okay. So it's a real weekend to get out there and do something. Okay, and don't be kind of scratching your head in two weeks' time no. going, oh, I should yeah. have done I should have done this. I should have listened to Borek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So get the lawns trimmed, tidy up the garden, feed the garden by all means, get on top of the weeds now, you know, control the weeds in the garden. And uh, yeah, you know, because you'll find next Saturday the lawn is going to need to be mowed again. Okay. There'll be that to you, that significant amount, amount of growth, which is great. It's what we've been wait, yeah. waiting for all season. Yeah. In terms of the bedding plants and, you know, the softer plants, Again, you know, now is the time to get them in because with the warm temperature, they're going to settle in very, very quickly. I planted some begonias myself last Saturday. Right. And they just sat there for the week, you know, they're still green and healthy but there was no no new leaves were produced on them you know so that's the type of week we've had with those cooler temperatures uh, but now with the, with the warm weather coming get those bedding plants out the vegetable plants out tomato plants into the greenhouse and tunnels all that those sort of jobs um, now is the time to the and weather's here so make use of it Would you normally see that much growth within a, in a week as a rule? Well I, mean, it, I, I suppose it's, you it, know, growth has been held back so much yeah. I mean you know look at the ash trees look at the beech trees they've really just broken leaf you know, ash is still struggling to put on a canopy of leaves so it, we're well behind we're certainly two weeks behind in terms of growth so once the, the temperatures come those plants are just going to burst into um, you know the amount of moisture that's in the tree all it's waiting for is the temperature and once you get that warm temperature it's going to 
uh, come into leave very, very quickly. So you're just going to get a burst of growth, really, over the next seven to ten days. Okay, and when we were talking about giving, you know, particularly the shrubs and the, yeah. the, the other plants the feed, um, no need for water, just bang it on. And just put it on. You know, again, I, I actually cut my own lawn last night and, and again, I was surprised how moist the soil is. Mm. You know, the, the, it was leaving tracks in, in the lawn. You know, right. so the, yeah. there's, quite, there's been quite a bit of rain at night time over the last week. So there's plenty of moisture in the soil. So putting on fertilisers now, they'll dissolve into the soil. There's plenty of moisture within, you know, a couple of centimetres into right. the soil. So, no, you, you'll still get the juice at night time particularly yeah. with the warm temperatures and that's going to help it as well but you don't necessarily have to be out there putting on a granulated feed on your lawn or around your shrubs you don't have to be out there watering it in the dew at night time would be enough and there's enough enough moisture in the soil to carry it down um, if people have say planted containers hanging baskets window boxes that they've done up early it's a good time as well the growth in those is going to be very strong over the next couple of weeks mm. and you can help that with some liquid feeds so liquid one or miracle grow mixed in a watering can and applied to plants and containers herbs and containers or bedding plants and containers will boost them on as well. So it's really just encouraging people really to take full advantage of the good weather that's coming and, you know, to, to, to do a couple of jobs this weekend in terms of weed control, feeding, in terms of trimming the lawn, mm. tidying up the garden so that you're not leaving a, a whole list exactly. of stuff for the following. And that there isn't a panic on. Exactly. And yeah. if you want a couple of hints and tips, go on to my website, gardencentre.ie um, Just click on the blog and in, in the blog I've, I've put all the jobs, hints and tips you should be doing through the months of May, through the weeks of May. So there's a whole list of things that you can be thinking about doing um, that are still not too late to do. So if you want just a list of jobs, a list of tasks. <laughs> <laughs> if you go, don't have the list already. <clears throat> exactly. Go on to the blog. It's on gardencentre.ie. Download it. And uh, there's just a, a list of hints and tips. And a couple of things that will probably trigger you, your mind. Oh, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Little things that you can be doing at this time of year. Okay. So there you go. Well, from the list of potential jobs to a list of questions, questions for you of this course, morning. Of course. Uh, let's get right down to <clears> it because some people were up bright and early and uh, texting in a little bit earlier. First of all, uh, somebody, John and Balana, good morning. You have an argument going on with all somebody. Right. Um, the correct rate pork for the old bluestone and washing soda mix that was used years ago. Oh, for the potatoes, for the blight spray. And I suppose we're coming into that time of year. Probably a little a tad early for blight yet, but still, uh, in terms of the old bluestone mix, it's £8 of washing soda to 10 pounds of bluestone and you mix the two together now ideally it should be used straight away so you don't mix them up and leave it for a week or two in a container the ideal thing is to is to mix the two together into 40 gallons of water and um, apply that to the foliage now remember with the old bluestone it is just a, a preventative treatment that if we do get heavy rain right. it, it tends to wash it off okay. um, so it, it, it's a preventative it's a kind of a contact spray it doesn't enter the system of the potato it just keeps blight off the foliage so if you get particularly in the sort of weather we're going to be getting where you get really strong growth the, 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 the foliage that you spray with the bluestone is protected but any new growth won't be so you need to repeat the sprays maybe you know every 10 to 14 days if you're using the old traditional. Now, if you're only a small patch mm. to do, you can actually buy a, a treatment called Bordeaux mixture, which is basically That's the bluestone mixed with lime. Right. Uh, it's a tradi- traditional. It was actually used on, on uh, it was used a lot in France on the uh, grapes. Ah, right. To keep mildew and so on off, off the grape Hence tree. the Bordeaux name. Bordeaux, exactly. <laughs> so that's actually quite an easy treatment. So if you have just a, a couple of rows of potatoes, go in and get a small tub of Bordeaux mixture, mix it with water and apply it to the foliage and that'll do exactly the same thing. Or if you want a systemic control for blight, 
um, there's one called Promoximil, which is used by the growers, which is gives more long-lasting control. It's a little tad early for blight yet, though. Right. You know, it's really okay. kind of the mid-June before we're going to get any significant blight. And you tend to need the kind of high temperatures and a lot of moisture as well. That humid, clammy weather before blight is, is going to be a problem. Okay. Well, hopefully, John, uh, Remember answers too answers the question. The blight can, can affect uh, tomatoes. Tomatoes are in the potato family. And if you have, if you are, you know, if you have a couple of tomato plants, remember that they can be affected by blight. So if we do get a blight warning in a week or ten days' time, just make sure to look after the tomato plants as well. Okay, and I use the same treatment. I, use the I never realised tomatoes were in. Of course, yeah. palm, yeah, yeah. In French. If you think about yeah, it, and the, the leaves are very similar. Yeah, and, and the flowers are very, mm. very similar. Although the flowers and tomatoes are yellow, they're they're the similar size and shape. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're in the same flam- family and they suffer from the same diseases. Unfortunately, so when you do get, do get a blight warning, protect your potatoes, but don't forget the old tomato plants as well, particularly for them outdoors. Okay, good point. Good point. Right now, from uh, bluestone and washing mm. soda to climbing plants, Porik. Yes. So somebody's wondering if they're difficult to grow. This person would like to cover a low wall with some flowering plants that uh, the wall is four metres by two metres high. What would you suggest? Well, first of all, it's a great time to plant climbers into the garden and there's a wide range of varieties available. Um, So straight away, I would be thinking of the Clematis family. The lovely Montana is in flower at the moment. It's a very vigorous climber, more suited to a a larger wall or a larger trellis or maybe to give a bit of colour up through a shrub or a large hedge. So that's Montana. If you plant it now, it will flower this time next year. For colour at this time of year, I would look for, there's a lovely Clematis called Cijan, which is a blue flowering Clematis. The the flowers are nearly the size of a dinner plate. They're that large. They're really spectacular, yeah. Um, Maybe a small dinner plate. But there's... (laughs) They're certainly eight eight inches in diameter, um, huge blue flowers, uh, light blue, uh, very, very nice plants. So that's a clematis variety called Cijan, and it only grows to about four to five feet. So for this listener, it would be ideal yeah. on, a, on a lone wall. It will need some trellis and support, um, but will cover certainly four to five feet this year, and will give you colour from this time of year right through till September. So that's a nice variety called clematis Cijan. There's another one called uh, Crystal Fountain, Crystal Fountain, which is a semi-double variety. So the flowers um, have kind of nearly two layers. And it's actually a variety that doesn't produce seed. So for that reason, the flower actually stays on it longer. So it doesn't run to seed. It's sterile. And because it's sterile, the flowers... um, actually stay longer so the individual blooms can stay on the plant for up to two weeks before they go off so that's quite a nice variety clematis uh, crystal fountain of course you've you've things like um honeysuckle at this time of year Mm -hmm. which will be coming into flower uh you've got the some of the evergreen ivies if the listener wanted something evergreen on the wall that would stick to the wall itself and often where you've got ivy it's nice to mix some clematis through them just to give a bit of extra color and the clematis use the ivy for support climbing roses will be another um, maybe an alternative as well. So there's a lot of climbers available at this time of year. Okay, lovely stuff. Right, so good a few options there for you. Now, Pork, um a couple of questions regarding uh, borders and providing some colour yep. uh, for later in the summer as well as now. Um, can you recommend some flowering plants to add colour to a long border, first of all? It gets full sun and they'd like something that'll last and come into summer as well. Okay, well, I, straight away I would think of the cottage garden plants. Go back to the old perennial plants that, you know, your granny used to, to grow or, or, you know, the, the old border plants like phlox, lupins, the poppies. And these are perennial plants, um, often called cottage garden plants because, mm. you know, that's what they, they, they give you that sense of the old traditional cottage garden. Um, all of them are perennial. So once you plant them, many will flower this year. But more importantly, then they come into flower next year again. And if it's a long border, I would put them in in groups of threes. So rather than whole, having a whole 
platter of different plants go for maybe a smaller range of plants put them in put them in clusters of three to form a very strong clump so straight away i'd be thinking of things like lupins which would be coming into flower very very soon and are available in a whole range of different colors the poppies the papavers with the lovely big orange flowers and they come in many different colors in purples and pinks and whites in that scarlet orange very reliable they'll flower this year and they'll be coming into flower very soon now they're a tad late of course mm. with the weather so they'll be flowering from june onwards delphiniums which will give you a nice height at the back of the border hollyhock which is a lovely uh, double flowering plant again it gives very stately and it gives nice long stems the ground covering geraniums that we i think we featured a couple mm-hmm. of weeks back johnston's blue there's many different varieties of the ground covering geraniums and they're the perennial geraniums that flower every year another lovely plant called geum mrs bradshaw which is a bright scarlet orange flower okay um, so my, I would recommend there's a, a good plant too to add to a border to give you kind of instant colour and that will grow very rapidly is Lavateria often called the mallow plant and it comes in a range of different colours there's a lovely variety called Barnsley which is a very light shell pink if you plant it now it'll grow certainly two to three feet this year and it'll give you a lot tons of colour from the middle of June right through to September into October so it's very long flowering comes into flower very quickly and it's one of those plants that's great to fill a board if you have gaps in a board and you want to fill it quickly the Lavateria for me will be there's another lovely variety called Brendan Springs which is a two-tone variety so it's, they're the types of plants if you wanted something very fast very quick that'll give colour this year fill up a gap but also uh, give you colour next year. So for me, I would settle for really herbaceous plants, those cottage garden plants. Go go to your local garden centre, look for the varieties I mentioned there, the lupins, mm-hmm. delphiniums, the poppies, the foxgloves, um, hollyhocks. All of those will give you really good colour penstemons. And many of them tend to be long flowering. Um, you know, they'll come into flower now, but they'll stay in flower really for most of the summer, particularly if you deadhead them, if you cut off some of the old flowers. And a lot of them are long stems, so they're ideal for cutting and bringing into the home as well. Aram lilies will be a good example as well, which will be coming into flower now. Okay. So that's what I would go for, um, you know, rather than putting in shrubs. I think it's a long border. They want something to flower this and every year. Mm. And really, um, herbaceous perennials for me will be the ones to put in. Okay, great selection there. So yeah. hopefully... And a good time, a good time to plant them. And again, with the heat, you're going to get really rapid growth um, from them. And you'll get flowers, certainly things like lupins and um, delphiniums and so on will be coming into flower very, very soon. The poppies will be blooming very, very soon now. Okay. Now, here is an interesting one. Um, a little diverse, perhaps, from the usual pork. Um, as somebody who's a chef wants to plant, right. wants plants to grow um, that the flowers are edible on, they'd like to use them in salads and as decoration. Have you any ideas? Which one would you go for? <laughs> well, you know, as you know, my knowledge of plants is limited. My knowledge of food is slightly better, perhaps. Um, I think nasturtiums are one of those uh, yeah. flowers that you are edible and sometimes are featured in salads. And you are indeed. You'd probably pay more, pay more for that salad than you would for the ordinary salad. And, and nasturtiums are so easy to grow. I mean, yeah. You sow them from seed. And uh, they're very colourful ones. Very I colourful. The right, I think, uh, the, the, I'm trying to think of... They uh, are, yeah. yeah. They tend to be shades of creams, yellows, oranges, mm. reds, that sort of coloration with uh, nasturtium so they would be excellent you could sow the seed now both indoors or out of doors and um, there are many different varieties from those that will cover the ground to those that would climb as a climbing plant right. and some nasturtiums that you can grow in hanging baskets a lovely variety called alaska which has got nice uh, uh, marbled foliage with lovely color so nasturtiums would be good think also about any of the um the herbs because many of the herbs flower as well so things Indeed. like rosemary lavender thyme you can uh, all the flowers in those are edible um, mint funny enough I think you have the mint yourself have if, a you bit allow, of it, yeah. if you allow it to flower 
the, the, the flowers are edible on that. Basil, of course, it has a kind of a nutty, um, peppery type of, of flavour of the basil flowers. Um, and then in terms, of, in terms of the actual flowers, I would think go for things like fuchsia. Okay. Fuchsia, the flowers are edible on it. Violas, pansies, nasturtiums, as you mentioned yourself. Um, garden peas, now not sweet peas. Flowers and sweet peas can be actually poisonous. So, right. So stick to the garden peas or beans. They're all edible as well. Um, apple flowers, funny enough, are edible. Um, as in so, the apple blossom flowers? As the apple blossom. Oh, now they're, right. they're, they're just beginning to go to, over yeah. now. So... Um, Daylily is one actually Hemerocallis which would suit the, the, the previous question, question in terms of the cottage garden plant so look for the daily, daylily Hemerocallis is the botanical name and the flowers on it are actually very fleshy they're like it's like I was like a vegetable say, nearly yeah, it's, yeah they're very fleshy very thick um, and so they're, they're chewy and actually are, are very edible so Hemerocallis would be a good variety and again it comes in in various different colours. So any of those would be, you know, violas, pansies, fuchsia, the apple, as I mentioned, ordinary garden pea flowers or bean flowers can be used. And even the flower buds can be used. Um, Nasturtium, for example, the buds are very thick Mm. and they are edible and you can fry them without allowing the flower to open. So that could be one. Sunflower would be another one. You can use it like artichokes. You know, the flower of the sunflower and even the bud is very large. You can cut it and you can steam it like an artichoke um, and and, and it's edible as well. Oh, wow. The one thing I would say is just to bear in mind that some people suffer from hay fever. Yeah. So try to avoid flowers maybe that have a lot of pollen. You know, or else take out the stamens. Right. Remove the stamens because that may, um, particularly if you're eating the... Trigger. Yeah, particularly if you're eating the flowers raw. Right. Uh, so that might be just a little tip as well, just to remove the stamens, just in case that people mm-hmm. might have a po- an, an aversion to pollen or, or to hay, fev- hay fever, because obviously the flowers contain plenty of pollen. Yes, of course, um, yeah. So, but th- there's a list that certainly could be used. And the, the herbs certainly would be one. Chives, for example, would be great. The chive flowers. The lovely Garlic chives. Flowers, yeah. have, uh, the flowers of garlic mm. chives have the fl- flavour of garlic. So any of those sort of edible plants would be ideal. And then the list of plants I mentioned from the flowers. But do maybe remove the uh, stamens. Um, you to know, to yeah. reduce the pollen factor. Yeah, particularly on hemerocallus would have, would have quite a bit of pollen in it. You know, anything that would have a lot of pollen, just trim off the old stamens, get rid of that. Okay. Or else just take the petals. Or this, yeah, take the petals off the flower and use those. Use those. English marigold okay. is another good one. English, the calendula. Um, it actually will, if you use it, it... It's like saffron, you know, the... Um, yes, the, uh, the spice. From, the cro- saffron, from, yeah, crocus. from crocus, yeah. yeah. The expensive. Yeah, well, well, uh, calendulas or English marigolds are like... Uh, they give that coloration to... I think they call it the poor man's saffron. Oh, is that? Calendula, yeah. Um, but it, it, the, the petals will actually colour a dish. So they're, they're a very vivid orange. Very easy plant to grow. Very good, very good plant to sow from seed at this time mm-hmm. of year. It'll flower about July, August, if you sow it from seed now. Calendula, the English marigold. And um, from memory, the leaves are edible on English marigold as well. Okay, so loads so of options Plenty there. of stuff. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, Corrick. <clears throat> um, so you can keep questions coming into us. 87 If you are texting, with thanks to C&C Cellular for Vodafone Mobile Broadband, that's reliable. If you're calling us, it's 0818-3055. Teresa's taking calls and the email address is garden at midwestradio.ie. You're very welcome back to the programme. Uh, Park, last week, I know we had, we're giving out some uh, 
uh, tickets to Bloom, yeah. uh, but there are still tickets available for people who weren't fortunate enough to win some. Uh, yeah, all, mm. all the free tickets are gone. Right, right. But we have we have secured some half price tickets from on board Bia. So Bloom is just to remind listeners, it's on the June Bank Holiday in the Phoenix Park. Uh, promises to be a, a fantastic array of gardens and also uh, the best in Irish food mm-hmm. is going to be showcased. So I'd recommend people to go. It's going. It's running from May thirty first through to. Uh, the Monday so it's Thursday right through the Monday five days in total but we have half price tickets available in the garden centre so if people are in over the weekend just ask at the tail for some of the half price tickets now f- what what it means is uh, for one paying adult mm-hmm. the second adult gets half a half price ticket right. so when you go to Bloom as a couple one has to pay the full rate the other person will get in for, for half rate so those tickets are available in the garden centre um, you don't have to pay for them they're, they're, we'd be handing them out free to people and then when you go to Bloom one adult pays the other adult gets okay, in Okay so it's kind of price. a voucher really It's a such. voucher It's a voucher yeah so just ask if you're in over the weekend we have um, a couple hundred tickets to give away in our in our Turlock Centre and in Westport Great in stuff. Galway Okay brilliant brilliant Now um, just somebody's wondering could we just uh, the Bluestone Soda have I got that right even? The potato mix The potato that mix Just repeat that To repeat that please So it's £10 of washing soda to £8 of Bluestone Okay into a 40 gallon drum and mix it up well and use it um, use it pretty much straight away if you can. Um, okay. it, it does go off. Okay. Or remember the little Bordeaux mixture. You can, you can get the little tub of Bordeaux mixture. Mix that with water. You have a small area to do. Okay. Now, what flowers bloom in late August, early September? Two questions on this. Uh, people who've got weddings coming up. Okay, well, straight away I would be thinking, remember that many of the summer flowering plants flower well into September and often into October, mm. November. So a lot of your bedding plants will actually be still in flower in September if you want just a little bit of colour around the home, window boxes, containers. Particularly if you plant them kind of from about the first week of June onwards, they'll flower right through September, well into the end of October. But if you want colour, say, for cutting, uh, things like asters would be very good. They're perennial. If you plant them now, they'll flower this and every year and they're available in a range of different colours. Um, the the uh, calla lily, the, the arum lily, would also also still be in flower at that time of year, September. And again, a very good cut flower. Um, lilies, if you plant them late, if you get the bulbs and plant them about the middle of June, they'll actually flower then for September. So you'll have them coming into flower later in the season. Lilies would normally flower July, August. Mm. But if you plant them later, you'll have them blooming later. Phlox, of course, the lovely phlox, which again is a perennial plant. Nice long stems up to about two and a half to three feet. Available in whites, pinks, purples, blues, all sorts of different colours from the phlox. And again, that's a very good plant to give late summer colour. Sunflowers, of course, will be flowering their head off in... in, uh, in September, September yeah. you know that would be their time, really. And many of the roses, many of the rose, um, you know, all roses really would still be in full bloom. A trick, really, to kind of keep plants if you want them to kind of flowering in September. If you deadhead them on a regular basis, right through, particularly in June and July as they're flowering, if you're cutting off the old flower heads on a regular basis, that and feeding them, that then stimulates new growth, which encourages new flowers right through the autumn. So there's lots of plants, really. Nearines would be another good one. Dahlias, if you, you know, dahlias would still be flowering brilliantly, particularly if you plant them now mm. because you're planting them a little late. But they would be absolutely beautiful in August, September. And particularly the larger flowering dahlias would be, give you a very good cut flowers. Okay. So there's lots really there. September is actually an easy, a relatively easy time. Hydrangeas, for example, would still be in blue right, right through September, the blue and pink hydrangeas. Um, so there's a lot of plants. September is actually a good time. Kind of time for a bit yeah, of colour. Particularly early September. <laughs> 
And of course, also, uh, better just say weather depending. Weather dependent, of course. <laughs> yes, yeah, of yeah, course. You know, yeah. but you know, you're not getting any severe frost in September. You you tend to get reasonably good weather through September traditionally. So it is it is good time in the garden, and many of the summer plants are still blooming. So particularly see. if you're deadheading them and you're taking care of them during okay. the summer months. So if you do have them in situ now and you want to knock value out of them up to a little bit longer, perhaps just that bit of extra care extra uh, should see them through with more colour for you. For yeah, the extra deadheading. Sweet peas would be another great one for September. You know, traditionally people would plant sweet peas in April, but mm. with this year they're planting them later. So if you plant sweet peas at the moment, you'll have absolutely beautiful colour in August, September. November, you know, October, that sort of period. And again, a lovely cut flower as well for, you know, for posies or for mm. arrangements or whatever. Great. Now, few lawn questions. Uh, I know we said there's going to be great growth over the coming week, but some people have a few problems with lawns. Um, specifically, um, one person has set a lawn five weeks ago. Some of it grew, some of it didn't, and there are yellow patches. And another person then has lawns that are very uh, kind of uh, infested, is probably not the right word, but there's an awful lot of daisies and... Uh, Plenty of flower yes, colour yeah. on the lawns. They'd like to see more greenery. Yeah. Of well, the, of course they are. The daisies yeah. and the dandelions and everything is is blooming, blooming well at the moment. Going back to the first question, in terms of sowing lawns, uh, again, we're into that time of year where it's a great time to sow new lawns. And again, with the temperatures rising, they're going to germinate very quickly. Um, I would always advocate that you put in a fertiliser before you seed the lawn because once the grass comes up, it can be difficult to actually feed it afterwards, particularly with a granulated feed and particularly if it's a large area because you run the risk of burning the grass because the grass is very soft and tender just as it it breaks the soil and for the first couple of weeks, really um, up until the time you give it its first or second mow, it's still quite soft. Um, You can certainly liquid feed it but through a you know through a washing can or a sprayer and give it the lawn a liquid feed, mm. particularly if it's a small or medium sized lawn, and that'll bring the colour back back into it. Any of the areas that haven't germinated, if there are patches bigger than a dinner plate where there's no growth, you know, still bare soil, yeah. then I would reseed those areas. Simply mix a bit of seed with a bit of compost and put them into that area and they'll germinate over a 10 to, to 14 day period. So very quickly, you'll actually get those areas um, germinating. So really for me, I would, uh, before people sow lawns, put in a, a preceding lawn fertiliser and then put on the seed. The fertiliser is there then. As the grass germinates, it's available to the new grass um, in the soil. It has dissolved over the two-week period and it's more readily available to young grass so you tend to get a nice even colour. So putting in the fertiliser before the seed is is, is a very good uh, tip to do when putting in a new lawn and it saves the need to have to feed it um, for the first couple of months after it germinates. Um, in this case, what I would do is you, certainly you can give it a liquid feed and that will uh, green up the, those yellow areas mm. and also reseed the areas that are a bit patchy. Okay. Get you some seed and mix it with compost and just put it in. And look at there's plenty of time yet. Yeah, as, well, and as we have been saying, there, there hasn't been a huge amount of growth. There uh, hasn't. Things so have been very that slow. natural element has been missing. Of course as well. it has. Yeah, yeah. of course okay. it has. Okay. And in relation to our daisy problem, well, then, in terms of daisies, I mean they're easy to eradicate. Get yourself a, a proprietary lawn um, treatment a weed killer. Um, so dicoflower is probably one of the best that, that I that I have come across dicoflower it's sold in litre bottles it will eradicate things like daisies clover dandelions any broadleaf weeds um, creeping buttercup uh, thistles, anything like that that are traditionally broadleaf weeds and lawns. And again, it's a good time to to actually treat them. Now, don't cut the lawn. If the fact that the flower, the daisies are flowering, that's great. That lawn hasn't been cut for 
probably two weeks. Mm. Um, mix up the dicoflor in a spray machine with a little bit of washing up liquid. Apply it to the entire lawn area. It won't damage the grass. It will eradicate the daisies and clover and any other weeds that might be there and then mow the grass about six or seven days later. Right, okay. Now, somebody also on the lawn, very <coughs> wet in parts. What okay. shrubs or small trees could they plant in the area? Um, they And also, would pre-maze or weed killer get rid of mare's tail? Oh, no good questions there. Well, premazer won't won't get rid of mare's tail. Right. Um, premazer is used to prevent weeds from coming through, yes. so you'd use it in shrub borders or established beds to stop the weeds. If you want to treat mare's tail, get yourself uh, the, actually the, the the treatment I mentioned before, the dicoflar yes. is very effective on mare's tail. But make sure it doesn't get on to any other shrubs or trees around the garden that you apply it to the mare's tail, and and that will um, hit it back. You can also use Roundup have a treatment called um, brushwood killer. So it's Roundup Brushwood Killer, sold in a box. Um, again, you mix it in water and apply it to the mare's tail and that will knock it back. Mare's tail is difficult to get rid of. Um, things like Roundup are not effective on it. So you need something with a, either a Brushwood Killer or something that will be traditionally used on lawns or on maybe grassland, something like Bandock. Right. or more tone. You'll find more effective on mare's tail, but be very careful where you use it. Obviously, those weed killers will also damage trees and shrubs if they get on the foliage of the plants. Um, going back to the... What was the first part of that question? The, the first part of the question was, uh, it's a wet lawn. Wet, yes, uh, yes. Or wet in parts, and yeah. shrubs or small trees that could be planted in the well, wet area. The, the problem with wet soil is that when you plant trees and shrubs into the area, the fact that there's so much moisture in it, it squeezes out the oxygen around the roots of plants, and there, you, you're really very limited to the amount of plants that you you can grow in wet areas. Now, there are some. So in terms of trees, you've got the traditional things like willows, which come in a whole range of different varieties and will help to dry up the area. Alders, which again, come in a whole range of different varieties and again, will tolerate very wet conditions and, and are great for drying up areas. Um, birch, which will tolerate, you know, not as not as, as um, wet a ground as willow or alder, mm. but will to- tolerate quite damp conditions. And really with the shrubs, you're, you're very limited to a few plants like dogwoods, um, you know, which again, Will, will tolerate um, damp conditions and moist conditions. My advice really would be try to, to drain the, the lawn, try to um, improve the, the drainage so right. that you're eliminating the wetness or else put in some raised beds. So if you raise up the soil, so put in some raised beds in, into the lawn area, mm-hmm. you can build them up with either sleepers or you know, a timber front or uh, some walling blocks and, and put some extra soil in there. And then that opens up the whole range of plants that you can grow. So in wet areas like that, you're, you're constricted so much to a, a tiny number of plants um, that will actually thrive and do well. And my advice really is either tr- try and drain the lawn or if that's not possible, try to raise the area, raise, put in some raised beds and maybe some of the corners of the lawn and into that then you can grow a whole wide range of plants. So as long as you get the soil 6, 8 to 12 inches above mm. the level of the, um, of the grass, then you c- it opens up a whole range of plants that you can grow. Okay. So either try to drain the lawn, to be honest, or put in some raised beds um, and, if possible. And give yourself more of a chance well, you, then, for then you more you, variety. Absolutely, mm. because that's the problem. It, it's the wetness, it's the water, it rots the roots and the plants just fail. And just not to, to, to dwell on it too much, but if, if one was thinking about the draining option, I mean, how big of a job is that? Or depending it, it as well as on, on the lawn, lawn itself, and, right? And it yeah. depends on the area that, you know, have they got an area to drain the lawn too? Um, but, you know, it, it means obviously putting in physical digging trenches, filling them with chips, putting in a little drainage pipe, right. you know, so it, there is a bit of work okay. to it, but 
you know, you, you are very, very restricted. And also the lawn will struggle. You'll have problems with moss, you'll have rushes coming into the lawn, and, you know, the lawn just will never look healthy, and it, and it cuts down the amount of time that you can get out and mow the yeah. grass as well. So it does pay to, to drain it. Okay. Okay. Now, one more question and then another little quick break. But what flowers can one put in a 12-inch hanging basket? Well, the first thing I would say, a 12-inch hanging basket is very small. Oh, right. And, and the problem with it is that uh, it... it yeah. Not so much now, but as we go through the summer, as the plants start to grow, they'll just the whole root structure will fill that basket very quickly and it'll break your heart trying to keep it watered and, and the plants won't thrive. So if you're stuck with a 12-inch basket, then I would put in things like uh, begonias. I would fill it with the one type of plant rather than putting maybe a whole platter of different plants in. So begonias for me are very good. They're easy to grow, very long flowering. Um, they'll tolerate a little bit of dryness. So if you do forget them for a day or two, they'll perk back up again. You could also put in um, their lovely trailing plants like fuchsias, verbenas, which are nice at the moment. Bacopa is a lovely white flowering plant. But I would really recommend people to go for a minimum 14 to 16 inch really a 16 inch basket is the ideal because it gives you more options it gives you a, a far more variety of plants to put in but also it, it doesn't need the same level of maintenance that a 12 inch basket will need okay right we're going to take a quick break uh, stay with us back in a few moments Okay, you're very welcome back to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio. Porik Horkin is with us in studio. Porik, um, somebody is wondering: Is farmyard manure good to use on new copper beech trees? Um, well, to be honest, I w- yes, when you're planting them, when you're putting them in for the first time. So, if you're planting them through the autumn or winter period, then I would dig a trench, put in the farmer manure backfill with soil and, and put the trees in. Now that they're planted and actively growing, which I presume this this case is, I would switch to a granulated fertiliser to be honest. Uh, copper beech trees don't grow very rapidly. They'll only put on eight or nine inches, maybe a foot of growth in a season. And putting on the farm manure now at this time of year will tend to push them on. There's a lot of nitrogen in, in farmer manure and yeah. you'll tend to just force them. So to be honest, I would use a granulated feed, a tree and shrub feed or a granulated fertiliser now right around the base of them so sprinkle around the base of them repeat that in about five or six weeks time and that'll be sufficient for the copper beech tree so leave the farm of manure for something else use it maybe in the veg garden or for potatoes or um, or if you're planting new trees and shrubs in the garden you could certainly use it as long as it's well rotted now a small bit of it mm. applied wouldn't do any harm but you know so if the listener did want to put a small amount of the farm manure on top of the soil they could certainly do that but to be honest, I would, I would favour a granulated feed now and that, let that be repeated in about uh, five or six weeks' time. The granulated fertiliser, like a tree and shrub feed, will, will green up the, or, or give nice colour to the copper beech without forcing it. It won't force the growth. The other thing to watch out for on beech, for listeners that have beech in the garden, uh, copper beech trees or beech hedging, um, and, it, and I check my own trees and they're fine at the moment, but they do get a white aphid, a white um, aphid that actually attacks the, the the copper beech and you'll notice it on the back of the leaf so it's not there at the moment but as the weather starts to warm up guess what he'll he'll definitely it'll be there and just check the backs of the leaves in about 10 days two two weeks time for the white aphid it'll be on the young growth um, on the young foliage so it'll be on the top five or six inches of new growth so if you're mowing the grass and you're out in the garden just turn the leaf over on the back of the copper beech if you see the aphid there then apply something like bug clear because the because copper beech don't grow very much in the, in one year, yeah. you want to make sure that you don't that anything that might damage the plant, um, that you reduce that. And copper beech tend to get this white aphid every year, a bit like green fly and roses. Right. 
So my advice is just to keep an eye out for that. Don't bother spraying until, until you see it. And then once you see it on the plant, give it a light application of bug clear in the evening time and that'll just eliminate that, that uh, copper beach aphid. But it, to be honest, I would use a granulated feed. Good time to do it now and then repeat it about the end of June. And that, that's enough that, for your... That'll yeah, set you up. Absolutely. Okay. Now, the name of the weed killer for docks <clears> in a meadow... Uh, well, if 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 you're using, uh, you can use something like bandock. Right. Morton will kill weeds, will kill docks as well. But bandock would be quite quite good to use if it's a if it's a farmland a farm um, farmland situation, a meadowgrass area. Okay. And somebody has weeds in potato ridges. Now I should mention just when they think mm, about it, something like bandock or or um, morton. You know, they'll kill docks, but they'll kill other flowering. You know they don't damage the grass, but if you've only if you say it's in the wild meadow grass mm. or wild flower area, um, then you want to make sure that you just apply it onto the docks, and you're not, you know, spraying, spraying it around it the place because right. yeah, because it will kill all broadleaf weeds, not right. just docks. Um, so just to be you know just to be careful of that. So if you had a few docks in a wild flower meadow, for example, don't be using it there. No, maybe yeah. just dig them out or, or or just spot treat them. You could just right. spot treat the actual docks. Okay, and somebody who is to kill weeds in potato ridges. Well, remember that the, the treatment I, I've um, mentioned mm. in the previous weeks is one called linuron. But potatoes, you know, it depends when you've planted them. But I would guess most potatoes have come through the soil at this time of year. So if they've broken the soil and they're through, then get out your garden hoe or hand weed the weeds that are there. But if they haven't broken the soil, if you planted them late and they're not through the soil yet, or they're just peeping through and you mm. can cover them over with a bit of soil, you can use the linuron treatment, um, which will prevent weeds from growing in potatoes. But once they break the soil, then you cannot the use hole. linuron after that. It's the hole or just hand weed them or right. just tidy them up. Okay, and we're going to stay with potatoes for a moment because somebody has got a difficulty with wireworm in the right. soil. Okay. Now the potatoes were covered in it last summer. Right. They're wondering, will it be okay to plant potatoes in the soil this year? Well, wireworm is, is the larvae of the click beetle and it lasts three years. Oh, right. That's its life cycle. It's one of the, it's one probably the longest lasting uh, soil-borne pests. So wireworm tends to hang around for up to three years. Um, now, having said that, there is a treatment called Super Nemo's. Super Nemo's. I think I featured it we talked two weeks about it ago. A couple of weeks ago yeah. yeah, so Super Nemo will kill things like wireworm, mm-hmm. uh, carrot root fly, chafter grubs, leather jackets. So, in, in other words, any of those soil borne pests, um, basically what are, they are are nematodes. You mix them in water, um, you apply them to the potato area or to the carrot area, and the nematodes then they're parasitic so they feed on the actual yeah. larvae of the wireworm or the carrot root fly and kill them off so they're a natural they're, they're actually they have the organic um, symbol right. they're recommended for organic growing um, they're not chemical they're, they're you know they're, they're non-toxic they're, they're a right, natural yeah. a natural um, product and so you mix the super nemos in water in a washing can <clears throat> the only restriction is that the soil temperatures have to be above 10 degrees celsius and we're, we're there now so any time from now on would actually be a good time to use them so for this listener what i would do is go ahead and plant your potatoes mm. bear the soil put in your farm and manure put in your potatoes mold up your, your your drills and then apply the super nemos onto the soil surface and that'll kill any wireworm that are there okay. if somebody's growing carrots wait for the carrots to germinate when they're about five or six inches high then uh, and maybe particularly after thinning them mm. or after weeding them then make up your super nemo treatment and apply them onto the carrots and again that will eliminate any carrot root fly okay so great. They're quite, and they're available at the moment for, for putting on so any soil borne pests 
the super nemos to me are, are that's that's the ideal treatment and it's a non-toxic it's a non-chemical treatment it's for them basically the survival of the fittest scenario exactly really. one feeds off the other yeah and and uh, I think I, I said to you before that if if, if you actually Google that prog- product um, super nemos there a lot of the Wexford strawberry growers are using it now uh, where there's a lot of problem with vine weevil right. um, in strawberries which is a you know a terror altogether in, in, in strawberries they've found it very very successful and um, they're, they're, they're advocating the product very strongly so it's um, so it's, it's quite a good thing so it's a thing called super nemos you mix it with water you apply it to the soil and that sees the Wireworm and the carrot root fly and vine weevils and chafter grubs, leather jackets, anything like that, it, it kills them off. Great. Now, uh, somebody has small caterpillars on gooseberries. Okay. Will they damage the fruit? It's covered in small gooseberries at the moment. Oh, yeah, and, and gooseberries Great. are flowering mm. or are fruiting very well at the moment. That's um, that's our old friend, the gooseberry sawfly, which uh, is a caterpillar, as the listener says. It feeds on the foliage and you tend, tend to, it tends to start on the centre of the plant and work its way out. So what it... End, what ends up happening is the, the whole gooseberry bush becomes skeletonized, becomes naked right. in foliage and the fruit. Now, it doesn't damage the fruit, yeah. funny enough, but well. it does strip the the um, plant of its of its leaf and that's not good because yeah. then the fruit won't form as they should do. So again, um, what I would use here, it's caterpillar, so I use something like Bug Clear. It's safe to use, mixed in water. Apply, make sure that you apply the treatment right into the centre of the gooseberry bush because that's probably where you get the highest concentration right. of the caterpillars mm. and that will see them off. Okay. Lovely. It's 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 very common on, on gooseberries, okay. gooseberry sawfly, um, you know, like like our old friend the white aphid on the Copper Beach. You tend to get if you're growing gooseberries, you tend to get that caterpillar. Okay. Hard hard to avoid it then. In yeah, other words. yeah, and it's right. and it and it's specific to gooseberry plants. It's a particular caterpillar that actually zones in on gooseberries. gooseberries yeah, gooseberry okay. sawfly. Now, what's the difference between grafted tomatoes and the ordinary types? Uh, this person is new to the whole gardening thing, a bit confusing, and they're wondering which is better. Well, the, just to explain the difference, traditional tomato plants are sown from seed. So varieties like Moneymaker and Shirley and a lot of the varieties that we would recommend are sown from seed. Grafted is, is where the commercial growers grow tomatoes. So they actually, gra- like, well, like we grow, we graft um, rose trees or graft apple trees. The rootstock of the tomato is different to the actual um, growing part, mm. as it were. And the growers do it simply because it makes a more robust and more vigorous plant. So if you can get your hands on grafted tomato plants, they're the ones I'd advise to go for um, because they're just a more vigorous, um, higher fruiting, um, longer fruiting variety. So it, typically they'll grow five, six feet in height and they'll give you probably once and a half, possibly twice the amount of fruit that the seed sown varieties. Now, they'll probably cost you a couple of euros extra, but they're right. well worth it. Okay. Um, and the ten, the grafted varieties tend to be available in both the large tomatoes and also in the small sweet tomatoes. So just when you're in your local garden centre, ask are they sown from seed or are they grafted? grafted. Go for the grafted varieties if they're, if they're available. You'll also get often get cucumbers grafted as well, which are a great way to grow cu- cucumbers because it can be difficult. Um, they tend to rot off um, when they're sown from seed. And peppers are available grafted as well. So if you if you if you do come across them, they're better. They're e- they're faster growing, higher yielding. And you'll have less problems with pests and diseases with them. Okay, so all those... Just a more vigorous, like a super tomato, you know, and and I suppose the the growers, 
that's typically what they will grow because they just give a, a higher yield, yielding And if, if you're going to the trouble of, of growing them in the first instance, well, it's that's better it. to give them as exactly. good a chance as you can. Exactly, yeah. So, so I suppose the listeners, look, which which is better, in my view, I would I would choose the, the grafted Graft. variety if, if you can get your hands on those. Okay. Now, here's a question from Bridget. Her mother has a lovely shrub flowering at the moment, but doesn't yeah. know the name of it. It has dark green slim leaves <clears> and red dropping flowers, a bit like fuchsia, but larger and more fleshy. Right. It has grown to a about six feet and they'd like to plant one would you know the type please yeah that's that's it's in flower at the moment so that's our our friend crinodendron uh, crinodendron hookerianum is from memory hookerianum okay. so that's the chinese chinese lantern or the lantern tree or chilean lantern it's often called um lovely plant evergreen retains its foliage all year round good time of year to plant it it's flowering now and it'll stay in flower right up to the end of June um, and as the listener says it, it's uh, very like a fusion that the flowers hang off the plant um, so that's that's our the Chilean lantern tree mm-hmm. or crinodendron if you ask for that a good time to plant it they're available in garden centres at the moment and you'll, you'll probably even buy one with flowers on it um, so good time to plant it will grow to five or six feet so it is a relatively large shrub so put it at the back of the border you know um, and it will flower literally from nearly ground level right the way up okay, really so nice plant yeah good, good, Crin- good. crinodendron uh, the Chilean lantern Crin- tree are, are often sold as the Chinese lantern tree okay <clears throat> now probably last question I'm afraid Porrick time is starting to come against us um, somebody has a forest flame it right. was covered in red and pink shoots for April is it true that if they cut it back will they get new red shoots and if so when should they do this well and they, they have been brilliant this year the forest flames even ir- even irrespective of the kind of c- the cold weather and if anything I think the cold weather actually has made them better this year because they've, they've held the red foliage longer than than uh, probably normal season so the red the red foliage is produced on forest flame in the young growth so anything that stimulates young growth encourages another flush of red leaves so yes the listener is right if you give it a light trimming back and do it now do it straight away the leaves have gone from red to a kind of a peachy colour or nearly white at this time of year and the later turn to green. So if you give them a light trim back with a shears, you'll, you'll encourage the plant to produce new growth and that new new growth will be orange or red again. Right. So trim it back, just take a couple of inches off it with, a, with your hedge clippers or a shears, feed it with a tree and shrub feed and any new growth then it produces, which it will, particularly with the bit of heat that's coming, you'll get an, a second flush of new growth. Okay. There's also a variety called um, Katsuru, P- Pieris Katsuru, which is a red leaf variety which tends to hold its leaf longer than the forest flame or its colour longer than the forest flame. So look for that variety as well, P- uh, Pieris Katsuru. But certainly the listener can trim it back lightly, feed it, and within two to three weeks it'll be a lovely flush of red leaves again. But don't cut it too severely, just a light trim. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks indeed right. for all of the remember information the f- and advice. Remember the fact sheets, gardencentre.ie. Uh, my blog is there. A lot of hints and tips of what you, you can be doing in the garden over the next two weeks. And um, if you click on to the TV3, we, we featured actually climbers this week. I should have mentioned that, climbers and roses. So um, anybody that wants to look at that, there's the, I, I actually showed some very good plants okay. on the TV3 site. So they can log on there and, yeah. and watch it on the player. Park, thanks indeed. We're back again uh, next Saturday with the gardening programme just after nine until seven o'clock next Saturday. For me, good morning.